This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, and welcome to The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. I am your host, Blaine Bartlett. And today, uh, we've got a fascinating guest. I've got a fascinating guest. You have the privilege of listening to this guy, um, Bill Pratter. I've known Bill for a while, and uh, he's actually becoming a very good friend. He's the founder of Business Mastery and, and, and Scaleology. We're going to talk about Scaleology here in just a bit. Um, but Bill's background, yeah, he you know, originally, and I say originally, he come, yeah, came out of IBM when IBM was you know, just you know, the, the, the big gorilla on the block uh, in sales. And a lot of his uh, organization and orientation was, uh, is predicated on what he's learned about sales and how to be effective, not only just in selling something, but how do you sell yourself? How do you position your organization? How do you position your brand to actually be accessible? And I'll use the word accessible. Um, and not just plotting along accessibility, but quantum leaps in performance accessibility. So that the, you know, the growth is the mainstay here. And part of that is predicated on, and this is why I, you know, I'm actually enjoying getting to know Bill in the way that I'm getting to know him. It has to do with the way that his process and his programs programmatic approach taps into what I consider to be the soul of any business. Yeah, he's got a, a very interesting methodology that makes that happen. So Bill, I just want to welcome you to the show. Grateful to be here, my man. <laughs> well, yeah, I start every, uh, every episode with a simple question. You know, when you hear the soul of business, what does that bring up for you? And then we'll just kind of see what doorways that opens up and uh, we'll riff on that. Well, it's interesting that you, uh, of course, tee that up. And to me, there's the soul of business in sort of a global context. Uh, and to me, I believe that the primary purpose of business is to serve others. And so that's, the, if you will, the, the whole universe of all businesses is, is to be of service. And then looking at an individual business, then that's the soul of each individual business, of course, has, has the same higher meaning, service. But then it needs to resonate with the, uh, with the, if you will, the brand, the owner, the brand, the symbol, the, the vision, the, the, the core values, all of that kind of uh, uh, amplify the soul of an individual business. Right. And, you know, um, my orientation, I mean, I love the language here, certainly you know, being in service, that's you know, what a business's purpose is. I kind of code that in the context of purpose of any business is to uplift the experience of being alive on this planet. And, ah. and, and, and not just for individuals, yeah, but also for the ecosystem, the, uh, the environment in which we happen to live. Uh, so if businesses are doing that well, they're probably going to end up being in a position to thrive, not just survive. 
because people want to be down their doors uh, to, to get whatever it is that they're offering. If I, if I get to feel more alive in, in, in the presence of your service or product, I'm off to the races yeah, and I'll keep showing up. So how do you, and, and I'm going to real quickly move into this because this is a deep topic and it's something that I want the, the listeners to really be able to, to kind of, um, what's the word I'd use here? Um, spend time digesting because you've got some stuff here. You've got a programmatic approach to keeping connected to what we're talking about here, that soul that I think is pretty unique and, uh, and it's scalable, hence the word scalology. Yes. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about, you know, first of all, your migration, you know, just kind of the, the evolution of where you ended up with this uh, company, Business Mastery and the Scalology program? Well, uh, it wasn't exactly a failure, but uh, I think that a lot of uh, uh, learning and growth comes from failure whether it, whether it involves uh, your mind or your, if you will, your brain or, or your, your, your skeleton or your muscles. So it's to that point of failure. Well, so I had a, uh, an investment banking firm that I owned for years and years that was headquartered in Seattle, but our epicenter and uh, all of our, not virtually all of our employees around Wall Street, New York, we were investment banking, for goodness sakes. Yeah. And so uh, I built my business uh, after coming out of IBM, and maybe we'll get a chance to circle back a bit there because I have a few lessons from them that I retained. But uh, I had the idea that I just had to be sort of present and I would have a business. Well, my business grew, Blaine, uh, I grew of well over 125 employees. Uh, we did lots and lots and lots of uh, capital raising in, in the form of debt and equity for private companies. And, but I uh, eventually felt that I wanted to get out to sell my business and move on. And so when that idea occurred to me, and it was a while ago, back in the mid 90s, uh, I realized that nobody would buy my business. Because I hadn't built it in a way that was attractive to anybody else. Uh, I built it in a way where I was the deal. And so, and so if somebody wanted to buy my business, they would really want to hire me. And I didn't want that. I wanted to leave. So that realization uh, formed, uh, the, created a new mindset for me, which catapulted me towards uh, becoming a, almost an elite player in the investment banking space. Mm -hmm. I went from ordinary to elite in, the, in a matter of a couple of years. Uh, and all of a sudden, my, my business was very attractive and I was able to sell it to an organization called Oppenheimer back in the day. So a little firm. that realization, yeah, you had a question? I, I said no, Oppenheimer, small little firm. Yeah. A smaller firm. Yeah, some people know it. So uh, the, 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 if you will, the catalyst or the seed that caused this transition in, in, in my brain was that I knew this in general, but I hadn't really focused on the fact that if you look at any audience of anything, any, any in my case, audience or, or population of investment banks, there's a bell curve. And in the middle of the bell curve are all the average companies. It just 
that's the way they're built. And at, at one end of the bell curve are all the marginal players. And then at the other end of the bell curve are all, the, all of the outstanding uh, uh, top-notch players. My business was clearly solidly in the middle. And that's why nobody wanted to buy it. It was just an ordinary company. And, uh, and I you know, kind of doubled down in the, uh, with the belief that if I would just did better, better, work harder at the industry standards, if you will, it's sometimes called best practices. Mm-hmm. That, that would, oh, that's all I had to do. So I was really good at best practices. But then one day, uh, Blaine, uh, I met a competitor. Well, I didn't meet her. I had a meeting with her again. I knew her. And I told her my a goal, which was to sell my business. And she said, nobody's going to buy your business. Well, I already knew that, but she's knowing about your business. I said, well, what do you mean? She says, because your business is this ordinary. There's nothing about it that's attractive. Uh, and what you've been doing, Bill, is you're trying to build your business as a better average company. Nobody wants to buy a better average company. They want to buy an, they want to buy an extraordinary company. I said, okay, well, good. How do I do that? She said, well, you're looking in all the wrong places. You're looking at the industry. You're looking at what the industry does. Forget about the industry. Instead, look at what the owners of outstanding elite companies do and then copy them. She said, I believe that applies to every industry. But for example, emulate me in our industry or somebody like me. So all of a sudden, I don't know why it took me so long to actually understand that simple comment she gave me, but it, it was unbelievably clear to me that all I really needed to do was to find the commonalities that existed among the people that own extraordinary companies. And there's, well, there's a long list of them. Many of them are, you know, in in what are now large public companies. Many of these people have, uh, have, have gone on to, if you were the next chapter in, if you will, their, their life. But uh, people like Elon Musk or Richard Branson or Steve Jobs and those kind of folks, they did not copy. Elon Musk did not copy General Motors or Ford or Volkswagen. He created his own idea of what a car company should be. Everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, certainly he didn't believe it. But people thought he was absolutely nuts. He they still think he's nuts, and they and and they think that he would never succeed in competing against these giants. Well, Richard Branson did the same sort of thing with the airlines. Everybody thought he was nuts when he came up with the idea of Virgin Airlines, yeah. and yet uh, he was able to build a super successful airline in the midst of all the all the failures. United and TWA and Pan American and, and the American. The list goes on and on. They're still struggling mightily, but he's not. And then you look at Steve Jobs. Gee, uh, I actually knew Steve Jobs when I was at IBM, and I thought he was a nutcase because he was trying to compete with IBM. Nobody competes with IBM. Well, look at him now. I mean, he he's uh, his company. I mean. Yeah. Uh, Steve, thanks for being on the planet for a while. So his company uh, just ended up dominating the space that he wanted, which was the high end, uh, if you will, 
let's call them laptop computers. He yeah. completely ignored the cheap ones. There's zillions of cheap ones you can buy from all kinds of brands. They still exist. But if you want to buy an Apple one, you're going to pay what, three, four times still today, yeah. uh, the price of an average one. So those lessons dawned on me finally. And I said, okay, I get it. I'm going to do what those people do. And I'm not going to do what the average company does. So that's a long answer. Uh, you know, to, 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 if you will, what, what converted my thinking and, and allowed me to build uh, my business mastery group of companies mm -hmm. uh, since 1999. Uh, it, it's caused me to use that same thinking to transform the lives of, of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of small to medium-sized businesses by helping the owner think the way, you know, the, along the lines of what I just described. You know, it's interesting. I was, um, when the iPhone came out, I was uh, working with Nokia uh, as an external consultant. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I actually led a major component of their global leadership development initiative beginning in the mid 1990s. And when the iPhone came out and I was, and I'm going to tie this back to, you know, building a better ordinary company. Um, you know, when Nokia was was gestating, I mean, you know, when they when, when I started working with them, uh, they were selling tires, uh, they were selling yeah, cables, they were selling uh, rubber boots, rubber farm boots, uh, they were selling te you know, television. I mean, they were a conglomerate that was um, you know, in consumer goods and that kind of stuff. And Yorma uh, Olila uh, you know, came in as a CEO, came out of City, and he said, "Look, we got this little telephony." thing that nobody's really paying much attention to. And I think it, you know, it had maybe 60 people in it at that point in time. And Ericsson and Nokia developed the GSM standard uh, that is you know, used worldwide today, uh, CDMA, but they, they had the, uh, the GSM standard. And Yordman um, said, you know, fuck it. <laughs> Let's work on about the farm. Yeah, you know, we can't be an ordinary company here. We just can't, uh, we're not gonna succeed. And they put, I mean, Boeing has done this a couple of times too, and I'm not going to use them as an exemplar for this, but they bet the farm on it. And, and I started working with them in 95, 96, right around that uh, time frame. By 99, they were the number one purveyor of handsets, mobile handsets in the world. And they came out of nowhere. Um, and their, their uh, telecom side, you know, the infrastructure side was uh, nipping at the heels of you know, Alcatel, you know, Eric, I mean, all the big players. Um, and I'm mentioning this because they were very insistent on not being an ordinary company, not being an ordinary telephony company. But what was interesting was Apple circled back around because they, you know, Nokia, from my perspective, and this is my perspective on it, they took their eye off the ball. They were designing phones in the way that phones had always been designed. And they weren't, and this is where it got interesting. They saw themselves as a, as a telephony company jobs, and I've had some, you know, I do a lot of work with IDO, and I, I know a lot of folks that knew Steve. Um, Steve saw the phone as a portal to an experience. And you know, just stop and think about that for a minute, as a portal to an experience. And that, that little kernel of an idea became the, the, uh, the, idea, you know, the ideation spark for the app store. You know, nobody yeah. uses a phone today to make a phone call. I mean, it's crazy, uh, but it, it is a gateway to an experience. Uh, and that distinction transformed Apple. It really did. 
and you know, move them to how can we be an extraordinary company, not just a better ordinary company, but an extraordinary company providing experience to our consumer, you know, to our to our stakeholders. And that you know, kind of circles all the way back to uh, serving others to, yeah, I, I, when I got my first, uh, uh, I was still working with Nokia at the time as an external uh, consultant, but when I got my first iPhone, I remember the package and I, and this was iPhone one. <laughs> I remember the packaging it came in. I've still got the box. I've still got that original packaging. It, it was extraordinary. The, the care and the detail that went into the packaging before I ever got to the phone, I was going, Blaine Bartlett, you are one of the smartest people in the world for making this purchase. I feel so good about myself. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> That's the internal conversation. And, and I've never looked back. I mean, we at that point in time, I was still an IBM-centric or a DOS platform company. I mean, everything we'd had was on DOS. I started moving everything in the entire company. And we had offices in four countries at that time to a Mac-centric you know, uh, platform just because of the experience. And that was how they defined what they did. They weren't a computer company. They were an experience generating company. So, yeah, you know, that's my rabbit hole. I, I just kind of go down that. No, that was nice. The idea of you know, being able to um, scale this, number one, and number two, actually being able to codify this in a way. Yeah, because what we're talking about is thinking outside of the box. How do you codify yeah. the process of thinking outside of the box? And that's something that I think you've done extraordinarily well. How well, thank you. About that? Yeah. Thank you. In fact, uh, in fact, you you teed up the word idea. So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to circle back to that in, in just a second. But uh, <clears throat> thinking like other people uh, will cause you to think like other people. The larger that group of people that you think like, the more ordinary uh, that you will be. So what, what both of us are talking about is being able to think like a small number of people is, and think like the small number of the people who are super successful. If you make those, if, if you can connect that, those dots, then, you know, that's the path to success. Now, Blaine, you and I have been using some large, well-known brands and well-known people mm -hmm. to kind of Military. emphasize this because they're common, they're, they're sort of common brands, if you will. But most of our listeners here today don't have organizations like the ones we've talked about. So yeah. let's talk about, okay, so I'm a solopreneur, or, or I'm an entrepreneur with a little teeny staff, or I've got a small business with 50 people, or I've got a small business with 500,000 uh, people. Those are still small businesses on a relative scale. The key is, if you're the owner how do you uh, simply, not easy, but simply get in your uh, mind the way to uh, emulate these people we're talking about? And I use the, the acronym IDEA, IDEA. So I-D-E-A, IDEA. And the reason that I use that particular acronym is that a lot of people will uh, have common, if you will, uh, definitions for words. They're like container words. Mm -hmm. So for example, when, when Blaine mentioned a phone, 
the container word says, okay, these are phones and they sit on a desk and they've, they're black and they've, they look like this and they've got these buttons over here and so forth and so on. That's a container uh, definition of, of what everybody will think that they know about. The word smartphone is now starting to become that same sort of a container word. So there's gonna be another, if you will, iteration of getting to the next level up. So when I say idea, the I stands for intent or intention. It's a very powerful word, which includes mindset, but mindset's a container word. So if you say mindset to people, they'll, uh, they'll say, oh yeah, I understand mindset. You put that right, mindset. Yeah, that's right. That's a container word. People have their own definitions. If you use words like that in your, in your if you will, sales and marketing, then people will, they will collapse what you're saying into their knowledge of it. But intention, for example, uh, virtually nobody doesn't understand what that means. That when you say I intend, they think, oh, this now we're now we're getting there because this is going to happen. So an intention is very powerful. And it, it, it has really two kind of subcomponents we'll come back to. But let's go to D. So I D E A D. D stands for design. What it means is you've got to build your business, however big it is now, to something else through design, intent and design. Not by looking for opportunities, not by wishing and hoping, not by embracing the uh, law of attraction, none of those things. Instead, it's got to be a design. A design is very specific. It's effectively a blueprint. It's a process. It's a series of steps. And so uh, design, I use the uh, term game plan, which means that that's the way you're going to approach the game. Now, in fact, when you're in the game, things change. There's an opponent there. Things are going to change. You're going to adjust. But within the game plan, the D, the design. Yeah. But before we go to E, because I want to yeah. be sure that yeah, we're going to do a deep dive on this. Uh, I'm going to take a real quick break. Um, and when we come back, folks, we're going to get into the E and the A, but I want to make a comment when we come back about this notion of design and how it actually influences intention. Uh, so uh, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll revisit what I just talked about. Okay. I want to thank you for listening. Um, I want to also invite you right now to go to blainebartlett.com. And on that site, which is my personal website, you'll see uh, services up on the top menu. I'd like you to click on Leadership Mastermind. Now, why I want you to do that is we have uh, structured a mastermind program that is very unusual and it is very powerful. And by going onto that site and clicking that link, you'll be taken to a landing page that is an invitation to join this mastermind. It's a 52 week long exploration of what it takes to be a highly effective leader in today's fast changing environment. You won't regret it. And if you've been liking what you've been listening to on these Soul of Business podcasts, how does one become a leader that can keep connection to the soul of business? That's what we look at. That's what we're about in this mastermind program. So again, go to blainebartlett.com and click on the services link 
and there you'll find the link to the Leadership Mastermind program. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to this little commercial. And now back to our show. Hey, welcome back. I'm talking to Bill Pratter, uh, founder of Business Mastery and Scaleology. Just before we took a break, we were unbundling this notion of idea. And Bill's yes. got a very fascinating way of, of actually articulating what this is about. Uh, and he had, you know, we, we'd gotten through the I and we'd gotten through the D. The I is intention. The D is design. And as you were talking about design, it struck me that it, you don't design according to how the world, and, then, and this goes all the way back to building a better ordinary company. Well, if you design for an ordinary company, you're going to get an ordinary company. And most people have inherited, and I literally mean inherited through their, uh, uh, their existing uh, belief systems, what an organization is supposed to look like, how it's supposed to be designed. So th this question of design, I mean, I mentioned uh, uh, IDEO. I have worked with IDEO, the design firm, premier design firm in the world. Uh, I've been working with them for about uh, almost 13 years now, I think. And I am fascinated by their design sensibility. And what was really intriguing here, and I'm going to bundle, tie this back into intention. If I'm not designing so that our organization designs me in return, I'm not going to have the intention being able to be leveraged. Because if I try to put the yeah, intention into an existing design or a, a, a default design without paying you know, really clear intention or attention to it, that design mechanism, this is where culture comes in and all kinds of yeah. stuff yeah, starts to come in. So yeah, 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 it's ontological design, designing so it designs me in return, designing so it designs us in return as, as an organization, designing so it designs our customer experience in return, all that stuff. So I, I wanted to be sure that I anchored that because I think it's a really, really seminal part of your whole process. So you know, it is, and it is, and I love the, the, the way you, you gave this vertical dimension, uh, which, which we can also call alignment. So we, we need this, uh, this structure, if you will, to be uh, understandable top to bottom in your organization, top to bottom in your vendors, with your suppliers, providers, top to bottom in your, among your customers, et cetera. So this design, it's a simple word, but it's very powerful meaning that it, it is the, uh, it's the framework from which we operate. No, no doubt about it. Yeah. Intention, so, design, E, execution. <laughs> so execution is what the E is. Now, what does execution mean? Well, it is, it's a very simple thing. It means complete. So for example, uh, this is not a good ex uh, uh, illustration, but most people, some people, when they hear the word execution, they think about criminal justice system. True, execution means termination and finish. So you've got to run your business with this concept of execution in mind. Look, a lot of ordinary business owners try hard, work hard, hire people, hope they try hard and work hard. Trying hard and working hard does not necessarily produce the result that fits in with your design. And so we need execution. We need people to be able to deliver on a consistent basis the completion of the commitments they make to themselves and to the organization. Yeah. So yeah, that, execution is 
is committing and delivering. The idea, yeah, and I love that piece. And, you know, the, and specifically the idea of you know, defining it in terms of completion. Um, this is, you know, as, as I'm talking, I mean, the consulting work I've done, one of the biggest bugaboos that I ever run into is, and this is true in just about every organization I've worked with, we, you know, people aren't accountable. You know, people aren't, you know, they're not accountable. If only marketing would get their act together. If, you know, nobody there's accountable for, you know, so it just goes on and on and on. Accountability is rooted in, I think, a misconception around what commitment actually is. And this is, you know, from a leadership perspective, co-creating coordinated movement. This is where that actually shows up. If it's co-created, there is, you know, there's a transference of ownership to the idea. And I mean the idea in the, in the gestaltic sense of it here, the, the big idea. That ownership is transferred and now it's not, I'm, I'm, I'm not committed to something. I now behave as if I am a commitment of yes. that, of that. And then accountability becomes a non, you know, it becomes a non-issue because people are behaving as if they are an exemplar of what we're trying to achieve. And so, you know, you've got execution by default beginning to work in the way that it's intended to. Right. Yeah. And now, uh, for example, the word accountability is another container word. Yep. What, what I mean by that is a lot of people have uh, formed an, an opinion of what accountability means. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a large number of people think it's something like browbeating or insisting or demanding yep. or pounding on somebody or getting the whip out. It's not. Maybe there are some people that think that's accountability, but it's not. Accountability is what Blaine just talked about. And that is it's, it's, it's making commitments to yourself and somebody else with the intention that you're going to deliver the outcome that you've committed to. And that brings me back to IBM. Uh, way back in my IBM days, we had a simple tool. Uh, and uh, I had a, a little, it was a, like a, uh, it wasn't eight and a half by 11, it was a smaller piece of paper, but it simply was a three column sheet. And at the top, <laughs> at the top, it said commitments. And at the bottom, and, and then across, three columns were who, what, and when. So who, made the commitment, what was the commitment, and when's the delivery day? And I uh, let that sort of slip out of my mind until I had that, uh, that aha moment, that, that uh, eureka moment with that competitor I mentioned. And I brought that back, this who, what, and when concept into the E part of the of the idea model that I just gave you. And that present, creates what I call authentic accountability, meaning that what you do not want, if you do the following, you're gonna have an ordinary company for sure. And that is that you personally need to figure out and keep track of what everybody should be doing and how they're doing and so forth and so on. That will collapse your growth into nothing because you are the focal point. Everybody's waiting for you to figure out what to do. What you need to do instead is to do what, what Blaine just teed up, and that is to be able to co-create the commitment by saying something like, you know, we're not getting enough dogs. Dog food. So what do you do? Commit to that? Yeah, I commit to do the following by such such a due date. So by by teeing up the notion of the dogs aren't eating our dog food, 
Blaine then comes up with a commitment. That's authentic accountability. That's co-created uh, commitment, which ends up being delivered. And we can write an E in the executed column. <laughs> On to A. So what is A? Well, so we talked about scalology, which is a which, which is a growth model. And what we've just what I've just described, I'd like you to think about that as like a like a period of time. Uh, maybe maybe it takes place in a week or a month at the maximum a month. Most companies operate on a monthly basis. That's when the financials come out and so forth. So you do those things month after month after month. The I D E. I-D-E. So what's the A? So the A stands for accelerate. And it's what it is, it allows uh, um, uh, my clients to be able to catapult their growth hyper at a hyper fast rate. So it goes I-D-E-A, I-D-E-A, and, it, and that's envision an upward sort of an upward uh, spiral kind of a kind of a design. And so that's how my clients typically double, triple, 10x, 50x, 100x, their revenue, their gross margin, their, their bottom line cash flow, the value of their business. They're very, it's very dramatic. And, and it's, it's, literally, it's as simple as those, those four stages in the IDEA acronym that I just gave you. And it's extraordinary, not ordinary in the way that you do this. Yeah, the, the acceleration uh, component of this, uh, again, back to the work that I do with my clients. In the, uh, every organization has got goals and objectives. Uh, and year over year over year, client after client after client after you know, client I've worked with, the goals that they have are incremental. It's kind of, we, we want to increase our revenue 10% this year. Okay. No problem with that. Absolutely love that idea. Uh, have you done that before? Well, yeah, we did 8% uh, about four years ago and you know, about six years ago, we did 12%. So the question then isn't, do you know how to do it? Yeah, you know how to do that. You know what T's to cross, what I's to dot. It's just a matter of you know, literally kind of execution and that sort of thing. Um, but there's no, there's no juice in it. You know, there's really no fundamental growth. It looks like growth, but it really isn't growth. And those sorts of goals will kill an organization pretty quickly. Absolutely. They're, they're stagnation goals. They keep, the, they keep the lights on. And I started you know, looking at a different kind of goal that I call, and I think this fits into your accelerator model. Uh, I call them growls. Yeah. They're, they're, yeah, I heard that before. I love it. Yeah, it's a growl. And it's, it's something I don't have the, uh, a bloody idea in hell about how I'm going to make this happen. I just know that this is something that we want to make happen. I mean, I go back to jobs in this. I don't have a bloody idea in hell how we're going to make this phone a reality or this iPod, this music, that, this little music player that's got 7,000 you know, you know, songs in it that I can hold in my hand. Yeah. How do we do that? I don't know. But boy, what a great idea. That's a growl that is worth getting out of bed for. And that you know, to me is, is you know, when you've got the, the other two in place here, you now have a foundation. When you've got intention, design and execution in place, reliably in place, then you're in a position to accelerate in a quantum level. I mean, these can be, yeah, like you said, 10X. Yeah, yeah, Peter Diamandis, I was talking to Peter not too long ago about this, um, you know, the XPRIZE guy. Uh, yeah, 
he's he's all about 10x growth. Yeah, why would you settle for you know, 2x? Yeah, you know, 10x growth. Now you have to have things in place in order to do that. Not the least of which is, you know, you know the, you, <laughs> the risk of using a container word here. You got to have a mindset that allows for it to even be possible, you know, for you. But you know, then it becomes you know, an idea uh, challenge uh, in the way that you're framing this, Bill. Right. Um, you know, we, we mentioned these the periodic uh, meetings, uh, weekly, monthly, etc. Yeah. And 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 those meetings that I have to teach people how to implement Blaine, uh, they're called strategic execution team so we got a the intent we develop a strategy mm -hmm. in the intent now we're going to execute it through this commitments uh delivering of commitments we just talked about and it's a team it's a team versus an individual so the meetings are not the boss holding people accountable it's the team holding each other accountable for the results and it happens on a on a month-to-month -month basis yes. so we got a monthly set meeting set set meeting and we use a tool called Vital Driver Dashboard. And on the Vital Driver Dashboard are these growls and so forth that we're measuring on a on a month to month basis. We're taking little incremental uh, 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 growths on each of those elements, uh, typically one piece of paper, it's all. Now yep. people say to me, Bill, uh, I know you got clients that have a billion dollars plus in revenue. Is it really one piece of paper? The answer is yes. It's really yeah. one piece of paper. Now, the truth is it happens to normally be a computer projected on the screen, but it's one uh, document, one piece of paper. Yeah. And literally uh, a $100,000 company, a $50,000 company, a $500 million company, a billion dollar company, all of my clients all use one piece of paper. It's called a vital driver dashboard. They execute that through a set meeting, SET, set meeting, according to the idea frame that we just presented. Now, so the scaleology model is the IDEA model. I love it. I love it. Now, we're getting close to end time here, uh, and I could go on for another hour and a half with you easily. Thank uh, you. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I know that the listeners here are just going, ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, you know, I mean, this is good stuff. I want to talk a little bit about a new, a new program that you've just uh, set up uh, that I am honored to be a part of. It's called the CEO Alliance. Yes. Uh, why don't you give us eight bars on that? Because I, I'm very well, excited I, about what it's Yeah, I sure about. will. So, so basically, uh, I, I uh, serve my clients with, with three components. I've got private clients uh, who ask me to be their consultant and they have me on retainer month after month for sometimes very long periods of time. Uh, and in the middle, uh, I have uh, a series of courses. They're today, they used to be a workshop, live workshops. Today, they're virtually all online uh, digital video courses that people take from my companies. People, the owners and the senior management team, et cetera, takes them. But all of them belong to a community. And as Wayne just mentioned, I've kind of reimagined the community. So the three components, consulting, courses, community. I've reimagined the community. And, and, and what it is, the CEO Alliance is literally an alliance. Once again, it's not a container where people know what an alliance is. So an alliance between subject matter experts, 
people like Blaine and I and others, together with business owners. And together, we're helping each other scale our businesses to for 10x as fast as we possibly can. So that's CEO Alliance and the way to get into that. And it's uh, it's very, very price. Uh, uh, what was the right word? It's very... The barrier it's entry. a very good investment. Yeah. It's a low price. There you go. It's a low barrier yeah. to entry. <laughs> yeah. It's it's simply <laughs> joinceoalliance.com. Joinceoalliance.com. And you get a chance to get into the alliance uh, with Blaine and I and many other mavens. And uh, it's the great way to start. And from there, all the uh, all the mavens in the group have all courts, uh, court, uh, types of courses uh, their own individual uh, masterminds and roundtables and individual one-on-one coaching. There's a plethora. It's kind of like a, it's a, it's like the Netflix of business growth. Yeah, that, that's a great way to yeah kind of yeah capture that as a meme. It is the Netflix of business growth. Yeah, where do I go and what's what you know what's featured today? <laughs> what's what's the one that I can actually leverage and, and take advantage of? Folks, yeah, join CEOalliance.com. Check it out. Uh, like I mentioned, yeah, and I, yeah, full disclosure here, I am a part of it. Uh, my leadership mastermind masterclass, uh, uh, not mastermind, my leadership masterclass program is uh, part of what's being offered there. And there's a number of other things that you can uh, get uh, access to for, from me through that. But there's also, I mean, the, the, the other um, subject matter experts that, yeah. Uh, Bill has organized here are phenomenal and they are truly subject matter experts, truly. These are world-class um, uh, resources that uh, you'll have access to. So, In fact, you're talking to one of them in exactly. a few minutes. <laughs> I am. Uh, she, she and I are going to be yeah, getting online here in a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, Ellen Finkelstein. So we, we'll be able to uh, talk about that a little bit too. So, Bill, I want to thank you uh, for the time. Uh, this has been a rich conversation. Absolutely. Where can people find out more? I mean, we've obviously got joinceoalliance.com, but uh, if they wanted to get in touch with you and or find out more about your company, where's the best place to go? So the best place to go to, to, to find out more about me, about the idea, about Scalology is go to scalology.guru, scalology.guru, and uh, you'll be able to get direct access to me right there. Now, I've never heard of that domain, <laughs> .guru. That's well, very cool. so back to this container word. So <laughs> .com is kind of a, a container where everybody knows they think what it is. But when they see .guru, they think it's something I invented. And, and it's pretty close to that. There are a few, uh, there are quite a few others now, but yeah, .guru. Blaine Bartlett .guru. Ta-da! <laughs> I love it. Folks, you've been listening to my good friend uh, and compatriot here and, and business partner, truly also, uh, yeah, Bill Pratter, founder of uh, Business Mastery and Scaleology. Um, you can find out more about what I'm up to, uh, very simply, blainebartlett.com, uh, not blainebartlett.guru. I'm going to go get that right now. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 
I, you know, there's all kinds of resources on my website as well. Uh, check out my mastermind program. Um, I think you would be well served to become a member of that. Uh, again, the, the threshold, price threshold on that is negligible. Uh, we've got some great folks involved in that uh, mastermind program and uh, it will rock your boat. It really will. It's a, a very interesting exploration on the nature of leadership and it's an uncommon way to look at it. So come on in, the water's fine. And until next time, this is uh, The Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. Have a great rest of your day, folks. Take care. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.